Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. Post credits. Directors who enjoy horror tend to like to wink at audiences with tropes that include things like corny dialogue and poor decision making by characters that result in bloody demise. We all point at these tropes on the screen like Rick Dalton watching Bounty Law. We get it. You know, we're in on the joke. But the thing is, if somebody winks at you 88 times in an hour and 40 minutes, it starts to lose its charm a bit, to say the least. Some people were way more affected by this than others, but a bunch of the decisions made in Halloween Kills were frustrating. No doubt. Decisions that whether or not you dug 2018's Halloween, it just didn't have the same type of thing going on. Had the same director, same franchise, direct sequel, strangely different decision making. As far as I can tell, we have to accept one of two realities. One, David Gordon Green dropped the ball. That's just it. He just couldn't tell that the dialogue felt awkward on the page and then on the screen, and many of his character choices didn't make sense. And meanwhile, John Carpenter is now senile, and he sat through cut after cut of this movie, giving his big seal of approval as they went along. Or two, the choices were deliberate and made for a reason. It's been about a week since we reviewed Halloween Kills on the cast and about two weeks since my initial viewing. And so I've been sitting on the movie now for, for a little while and there's, there's something that I want to talk about. After the delay in 2020, the movie sat on David Gordon Green's shelf for an entire year while he waited for the new release date. He said on the last drive-in that he didn't touch the movie the entire time. And I currently have no reason to not believe him. Never once in that year did he think that it would be best to revisit a scene in which a dying man's last words are, Michael, you've come home, as he bled out by his dead lover. One of two realities explain that absurd dialogue. You know, the possible reasons for those choices are all over the place, and some reasons are more ill-advised than others. I'm not making any claims about the intention. Uh, Time will tell if there was any method to the madness of Halloween Kills. One thing is for sure, though. The entertainment value is there. The theater I watched this in was laughing and gasping throughout the movie. Most conversations I've had about Halloween Kills start with something like, that was a blast, but, and then from there, we start talking about the issues. It's a movie about people getting killed with light bulbs and power saws. This thing's got a body count higher than some war movies, and we certainly don't go to a Halloween movie to get an hour and 40 minute long lecture on how terrible we can be. But Halloween Kills did something I don't think anybody thought it would. And again, I'm not even sure it meant to. It starts by giving you the illusion of a pass, right? Because you feel way smarter than the story and the characters making their decisions. This is not new. And and most times that's not the director's intention, unfortunately. But like the tropes I mentioned earlier, it gives you that falsely inflated ego that says, I know better than that. Cue the double-edged sword. It stands out like a sore thumb when a hospital full of people would mistake a five foot four guy pissing his pants for Michael Myers and then stick a bloodthirsty mob on him, forcing him to jump to his death. But for some reason, it's business as usual when we see dozens of people on Twitter casually dogpile a complete stranger telling them that, quote, they are a disgusting piece of shit, and, quote, the world would be better off if they literally go kill themselves. It's hard to level those two things. Up front, Halloween Kills poses an absurdly easy question. If a guy who kills 43 people and a dog in 105 minutes, can stop to take a look at himself in the mirror every now and again? Hey, maybe we could too. Painfully obvious social statement? Big time. Turns out it's also painfully relevant. Those on-the-nose themes, crystal clear. But what we didn't see coming is the statement that's made by us pointing out the obvious. 
We're clearly aware that hollow recycled speech sounds ridiculous, and both impulsive and mob-like behaviors never end well. But then why are those things so hyper-common in our world today? You not buying that an entire town would start chanting goofball things like, evil dies tonight, and rally to the point of murder behind a guy who gives a hokey speech at a bar on Halloween? It sounds unlikely. Until you check Instagram, where celebrities and influencers constantly repeat pointless slogans and pander unbelievably scripted takes that sound equally, if not more exhausting than anything Tommy Doyle said. But we buy that bullshit wholesale and champion obvious frauds to the point where they're untouchable. As long as they keep saying what we want to hear, we will group up and attack anyone who contests anything they say or do. You know, Halloween Kills might amp up the stakes for its dramatic effect, but at least most of the folks at the Haddonfield bar were probably hammer drunk when they got on board with their mob shit. We just gang up and ruin lives on a Tuesday to validate our virtue. The contradiction there ends up making a point. It may be a bit much to give Halloween Kills total credit for intentionally setting us up to trip over our own feet, but it happened. We told on ourselves when we called it out, and a bunch of us didn't even notice. We admitted that we know better, yet so many of us still contribute to similar problems in the real world. Haddonfield looks a lot like we would at full bore. Now that said, like, this is not providing any pass to genuine criticism of this movie, and it's not like you couldn't go to any given movie that presents you with like a half-baked story or irrational characters and just say that it was all done to remind you that you too are also sometimes irrational and half-baked, you hypocrite. You know, thus elevating a shit show to the level of the introspective high art. But to me, there's something that feels a little different about Halloween Kills. I don't know, it's something that feels actually a little more close to home. There's a ton of fear and trauma in our communities for all sorts of reasons, and we're confused about how to fix the problems of the world. Our problems might not be Michael Myers, but they are big problems that could very well have evil outcomes if they're left alone. A bunch of us don't even know how to file our taxes, let alone go about tackling problems of this magnitude. Thus, confusion turns to anger. You know, Yoda said it best, but we're quickly wrapped back up in a mob of angry, confused people shouting, pointing fingers at each other until the whole thing boils over. Like I said, the reflection theme here might be about as loud as a bullhorn from three feet away. But damn it, if it's a lesson we just can't seem to learn. Y'all want a classic Stephen King over-the-top allegory? Okay, here you go. It turns out that winning a Michael Myers-sized fight requires unity, but has to start with us addressing our own demons, each of us, lest we'll end up as a mob possessed by those very demons. And once we put that mob to work and we think we've won the day, the embodiment of those demons in its white mask and blue jumpsuit stands back up and beats the brakes off every last one of us. Individual change can lead to changes in a community that could lead to real solutions. Hopefully these changes start to happen soon because those tweets I mentioned earlier, among many others, were real and they have a real impact. The posters felt vindicated because they believed they were a member of the right team. All right, I'll wrap this. I'll say it again. This is a movie about people getting killed with light bulbs and power saws. Like we said on the cast, it's a gore fest. It's got more than a handful of laughs. And I, you got to mention that killer score one more time. But the community is so divided and debating the worth of Halloween kills. I guess, which as far as I can tell, it's a good thing. You know, it, it means that at least somebody is taking risks. 
you know, defying expectations, even in the super familiar waters of Haddonfield. Whether or not these risks pay off, that's in the audience's hands. But despite Halloween Kills sparking conversations and debate, it's hardly the first movie to point at the audience and say, take a look in the mirror. Although, leave it to a slasher movie to end it by saying, watch your back while doing so. <laughs> but look, I get it. There's an overwhelmingly large chance that all of this was a product of timing and happenstance. But that's the thing about movies and art as a whole. Whether or not somebody did or didn't try to doesn't negate the relevance of the themes in relation to the real world. Sometimes things just transcend intention. Whether or not you think David Gordon Green and company set this up deliberately, or if he just phoned it in, it might hinge on a look at the actual social climate. And to me, despite the odds, it may be a bridge too far to assume that there was absolutely zero intention when you look at very similar issues right out your front door. But then again, that's coming from a guy who just told you that Michael Myers killing half of Haddonfield has something to do with self-improvement. So, who knows? When we're finally able to look back from a distance at the reactions following the premiere of Halloween Kills, I think the most remarkable thing people may suggest is that despite the huge audience that insisted that Michael's latest stroll through his hometown resulted in dull conversations and confused, angry people that made no sense... It was our own shameless contradiction that ended up giving this knife a point. 